supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSL presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the aforementioned silent assassin Matt Costa, as well as science advisor Matt Moniz. And we are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. We have a full house here tonight, but we're going to get to that in just a minute. We're going to be talking about the uh, the Quickishan Club, which, if you remember now, about a month ago, we had the live investigation of the Quickishan Club in Fall River with our friends from DART, Whaling City Ghosts, Mike Markowitz was there, Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal. We had uh, quite the team assembled, and when it came time to review the evidence, I mean, I know I recorded hours of, of audio, mainly because I forgot and left my tape recorder on upstairs. But as long as you get the battery power, that works out great. But uh, I know I caught one. Uh, Eric and his group, DART, they caught a whole bunch, and Luann caught a whole bunch. So we've got plenty of EVP clips to play for you. Something like 46 clips are around there. We'll play during the course of the program, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what electronic voice phenomena is if you're new to the program and you're new to the paranormal. And uh, we'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420, if you want to call in toll-free from wherever you are. And we'd like to say hi to everybody that emailed us this past week and told us that they just discovered the show and they're just starting to get into it. Uh, someone from Australia who emailed us and said she's still stuck using dial-up. Well, the good news is we encode the show for dial-up when we put it up on the Internet because we know that a lot of people out there still do use dial-up, especially when we're reaching other countries like Australia and, and some of these places where they haven't reached the broadband revolution. So we make sure we keep uploading it for you. Uh, it doesn't really affect people that are on a fast download at all. It, you know, it's still just as quick for you. It just it really helps the dial-up people. And uh, for us, it's not a big deal because... You know, we're using high-speed stuff to upload it, so it only takes a few minutes. And if, if anybody out there has noticed, I seem to get a lot of emails when we don't update the archives <laughs> and when shows aren't released to podcasts, but I don't get any email saying, hey, guys, thanks for fixing that problem and, and correcting it. But we did. So uh, you should be getting the show within the next few days uh, each week that it airs. Also, last week we gave away tickets to see the film Paranormal Activity in its special Boston screening. Now... The plan was for the spooky crew to be in attendance. Our schedules didn't permit. It's kind of hard for us to go see a midnight movie on a weeknight. But maybe you went out there and saw it. Maybe you did a little bit later on in the show if you want to call in towards the end of the program and, and let us know what you thought. We'd be interested in hearing about it. Uh, but for right now, let's just get right into the discussion about the Quickishan Club. Now, Eric, it was you who originally brought us uh, into the club. Uh, you were the one that uh, conducted an investigation with your group, Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team, a year prior, and you're the one who uh, met with the owner, Dan Silva, and, and sat down with him and talked with him about the investigative process. And when we did the program from there, we talked about you know, just what kind of procedures you went through, talking to the staff, talking to some of the patrons. When we were there, it was kind of a full house uh, on the 29th of August. They, they had a lot of activity going on downstairs, but it's such a big building. We were able to have the place to ourselves. Uh, it, that must be pretty daunting for you when you went in there with just your team the year before to have all that space and a small team to work with? 
Uh, yes, Tim, it was. The hottest thing was that uh, Dan Silva, basically the owner, he didn't really didn't believe in the uh, the paranormal. Um, so us covering that building, he he thought it was kind of I don't want to say you know a, a joke or anything like that, but mm-hmm. um, he let us do our thing. He was really uh, he was really uh, happy. He he kind of just let us do our thing, set up our cameras. Um, we did the best we can. I think we had Jay. Would we have four of us? I think it was yeah, three or four of us. And we did just like you said. We we set our recorders in different rooms. We left them alone. Um, we had our night vision cameras going, and uh, I think we the first time we were there maybe for about six hours. Um, that's you know pretty much what we did for that night. And if you remember too, when uh, when we when you took us through there, kind of gave us a tour yourself and Dan, myself and Moniz were there with you, and you kind of showed us around and we saw the layout of the place. That's when the the gears started clicking in my head. Like we need to bring some more people in because even with their team, for the amount of time that we have. To, to cover things, we're not going to be able to get as much. And then knowing that there's certain people that we can bring with us who have different uh, different techniques and different areas of expertise will only help. And and now that we've been in there with a larger team, it seems to me like you could probably put even more investigators in there without them stepping on each other's feet. No, you can, and and that's hopefully what we can do in the future. Um, and having you know different. Uh, like Luann came with us this time. Uh, maybe Gabby will be able to come with us in a future investigation. So maybe Dot, uh, Willing City Ghost. You know, I know Spooky Crew is kind of hard to get you guys out there. <laughs> but um, we would love to have you back out. And uh, But the next time we go, we definitely want to bring three or four teams just because we can now we can stay in a, a certain destination for an hour and just don't move from that location so you can do your EVP sessions and your EMF, you know, use your EMF detectors for, uh, you know, um, you can use those for part of your EVP sessions too, kind of asking the, the device to, to maybe the needle to move and, and things like that. So um, we should be able to cover a, a large amount of the, you know, the building. And that is one of the problems that you tend to find in investigation, especially of a larger place, is you'll get, say, a hot spot where something's going on and, and people will tend to converge in that area and focus on that area. And that's you know, while it's good, if you've already got enough investigators in there, it's kind of counterproductive to do that because you've got so much other space to cover. I mean, Moniz, I don't know how many times we've been at Lizzie Borden's house where, you know, something will go on in one room and it'll run to the other room and everybody's still in that first room and nobody's able to catch what goes on after that. Pretty much every time we go there. Yeah, and, and that's there's a huge potential for that at the Quickershan Club because there's so many places for it to quote-unquote hide that if you're catching activity in one room and you overload it it might go to a quieter room and if there's nobody there so the more people that you get involved i i like the idea of bringing you know as many people as you can comfortably fit into an investigation without causing problems because of all the different that is (laughs) because of all the different talents you can bring in and and we saw it when it was happening right there, you know, coming up with different ideas. Mike would have his approach. Dart has their approach. Whaling City Ghosts, Loanne, we know that you're uh, a little bit more about getting in getting in communication with the spirit. Whereas, you know, I might want to go in there and, and say the nastiest thing I can to get a rise <laughs> out of it. You like to go in there with a more personable approach and try to get it to come out of its shell. And that's definitely what seemed to happen kind of right off the bat. Let me, let me walk people through what happened when we went there. And if you want to see the Quickershan Club, you can go to their website, quickershanclub.com, Q-U-E-Q-U-E-C-H-A-N, club.com. You can get an idea of the size of the place and what we're talking about. But, you know, naturally being the uh, the rock stars that we are, we were the last to arrive. <laughs> uh, and by rock stars, I mean because I'm always late to everything. 
So when we got there, uh, everybody had already been there. The, the teams were already essentially setting up. Mike Markowitz uh, had brought in his equipment, and, and Andrew Lake had all his cameras out. And We set up the radio equipment. And right. Once we got the radio broadcast stuff set up, we said, all right, now let's go out there and try and get some time in you know, before we have to go on the air. We were waiting for the socks, so we knew we'd have some time. And we all went upstairs, uh, well, myself. Well, Matt, we all did a tour of the building first. Sure. Yeah. But uh, when it came time to actually pick a location, you and I and Eric and Luann, and I think Andrew was with us and Mike was for a while, we all went up to the third floor, which I know that has kind of taken the, the moniker of the brothel area. And uh, we had with us some different devices. Uh, Luann, why don't you tell us what you brought with you uh, in terms of equipment when we went upstairs? Well, I brought my usual uh, recorders. I usually run two or three at a time. Um, one of them actually was hooked up to the hack shack that Dart actually donated to Wailing City Ghost. Thank you again, by the way. And that was really a fascinating device because what it said in the device is in the EVP. You know, um, and, and it was, we're hearing you say it out loud. Because uh, when we first went, you had the headphones on, yep. and then the EVPs are kind of correlating what you were saying. It yeah, is. that that was fascinating. I, I'm very interested in the hack shack now. Um, we didn't run video that night just because we didn't have Gabby, but you know we had camera, of course, and the audio just seems to be my thing. So and and yourself, you know your your consciousness seems to be a big tool in your investigation too i'm not saying you're a big tool i'm saying your consciousness <laughs> is a big tool for you your spirit is a big tool for you when you're investigating because you put yourself out there essentially for the spirit to get in contact with yeah i, I guess that would be a good way to say it. i i do try to remain open to them but most of these spirits have such sad stories behind them i, I do have a lot more trouble provoking them as mm -hmm. a lot of in investigators do that nowadays um, I would tend to provoke something negative where a human spirit, I think I get a better response from them when I open up to them, you know, See, because I, I do want to know their story. I think I accidentally bring too much of a journalist approach into it <laughs> and and not the good journalist approach, kind of the I'm on deadline journalist approach where I'm just going to shove the microphone in your face. You're going to tell me what I need to have for my story and then I'm going to go on and it's as a journalist, that's a bad approach because you're not going to get the story. You're going to get the story that's in your head, and you're not going to get the true story. And I think a lot of times I, when I go and I do these EVP sessions, I get kind of what's in my head, and I don't get the true story. And when we hear some of the clips that you got, it seems like you've really helped open up some of the story of what might be there. Well, I actually think I upset one of them because, as you see in some of the audio, I mean, they're telling me to back off. You know, I think Marie was probably raped, and that is part of her story, and I think that she became emotional. I mean, just the tone of her voice when she says rape is very high and sounds, you know, she sounds like she was traumatized. And you'll hear some of these clips coming up a little bit later on the show. Eric, I know you guys had uh, quite a bit of equipment as well uh, when, when you came in. Uh, in addition to just the normal stuff that you would think you would find, uh, you know, things you can go and buy at Walmart and bring with you for an investigator if you're if you're out there and you want to get into the field. You guys had a little bit more advanced equipment as well. Yeah, well, we we try to bring. I try to keep up as much as I can with everything. Everything in the ghost uh, field now is everything's over a hundred dollars. It seems like you yeah. know, and, and everything I have to answer to my wife, so <laughs> <laughs> that limits what I can have. You know, but um, so gradually, yes, we 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 now we have the uh, 
you know, we have night two night vision cameras. We have our IR illuminators. Um, Matt actually had gave me a great idea before I was kind of using like a VCR TV combo, which really was really grainy when you kind of viewed it after. So I went out and bought two brand new uh, DVD recorders. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do it. The clarity is so much better. Um, and just for the uh, DVR, you know, that's kind of where I had my hot set on. And Matt actually gave me a lot of good advice about that. You know, he basically said that uh, if you lose that, you lose that, that shuts down, you lose everything. At mm-hmm. least now by splitting that up with having different DVR recorders, if you lose one camera, that's fine. At least you have other ones going there. Um, we also have uh, EMF uh, tri-field, which gives you magnetic fields, um, electronic uh, electronic fields. Um, we have the K2 meter. Um we also have another, it's called a geophone, which actually, it's almost like a seismograph, and it'll detect for uh, different types of uh, vibrations. So, And, you know, we just bring our little toolbox of, of different things. I know, Moniz, you have your own equipment that you usually bring with you, uh, but you kind of foregone, forewent that in this investigation. You kind of left yeah. that stuff at home and tried a different approach than what I you usually went, do. I went back to very old school when. Basically, when I was poor and a teenager and didn't have money, <laughs> I had to use myself as the, as the device to de- do the detecting. So I went back to see if I could still feel things and still work with it. I mean, yeah, uh, plus we had Mike Marker was there doing recording. Of course, the guys here from Dart had cameras here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, and Andy was there with all of his video equipment. So I figured, okay, I, I think we got the place pretty well technology uh, saturated. I'm going to go in this, and I'm going to try and use myself as the device to see what I can pick up from me and what I was feeling and what I could hear and see and just sit down and observe. And I uh, I was getting various impressions, if you know, to borrow terms from the various psychics that have been on this. It's like I got the idea. It's like there's something that happened in here that was very traumatic and violent. So I borrowed... Luann and uh, I, I had the idea to reenact a um, a semi-violent scene to see if it would elicit a reaction. And I gather from what we caught, it worked. Uh, I didn't get any audio from that section. So, did Mike Markowitz get something? You had told um, me there was a reaction. I told you that. I thought one of you did. <laughs> I don't remember. What that I told there was you. A, a reaction to that. In my audio, the only thing that I can hear is us interacting, well, we'll, screaming and asking for help. We'll definitely find out when we play the clips later on. I've been playing them kind of in marathon fashion uh, for the last couple of days, kind of familiarizing myself so that I'll know right off the top what, what I'm hearing. And, and so they kind of all jumble together for me right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's it's got to be difficult because you have – it's like four different teams. In Poor the, Eric. He's the one pulling everything all together for the, you know, the final <laughs> information of the investigation. That's why when he had kindly offered to help put together the things for the show, too, and I was like, well, I can't be. That's way too much to ask one person to do. And besides, I've got production monkey. Over there to help me. <laughs> oh crap! He's got his headphones on. He can hear me. <laughs> but uh, we—I mean—we've definitely got tons of stuff to play for you later on. And uh, Mike actually had a, a new piece of equipment with him, and we've talked <laughs> about Mike's setup before. And not every investigator has the opportunity to to spend, as, as Eric said, you know, there's more important things to spend your money on uh, when you've got a family and and you've got things to take care of. But uh, Mike is 
very dedicated to the idea of EVP. And while a lot of people will go out there and kind of spread out their what money they can spend in, into different areas of investigation, and one person's going to make sure he buys two or three different cameras, another person's going to buy a DVR system, Mike's put all of his money into the EVP end of things and all of his time and investment into learning about that. And let, I, I got to say, he's the best I know at it. And he has a, a board that would make Matt as a sound guy jealous. Yeah. <laughs> How many channels are on that thing? I be- That's only, I believe, a 12-channel board, but uh, he picked up a really nice one. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's got a lot of dials and whistles on it for a, for a 12-channel board, but it's 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 nice. It's, he's got condenser microphones that he places throughout a location, and uh, it's not wireless. It's it's hardwired stuff. So uh, you, you don't have to. He does have hard. I mean, he has wireless capability. Yeah. Yes, he does have wireless, but he also hardwired stuff too. Um, so you know, he's packing a lot of lot of cable with him as well. And uh, <laughs> sorry, remotely we'll leave that alone. But uh, he and he had but he had a new device with him this particular night. It's a it's a highly sensitive recorder from Sony. And the idea behind it is it's usually used for recording nature sounds. And right. he said it's something that somebody might bring to record a choir. It's it's a handheld device, but it's of the highest quality. And if Mike was here, he's actually on an investigation tonight, so he can't join us. He may call in a little bit later on. But it's of, of, a, of a rate, a higher bit rate than yeah. what normally records. And it's just it's a fascinating piece of equipment just to look at. And the fact that he's got to master all the things that it can do with the different folders and the different sensitivities and the, uh, the multi-directions of the mic. And yep. Either way, this thing is bound to revolutionize the paranormal if he's going to start bringing on investigations. So we always like to, to invite him when there's a, a place where we think EVP might be the strongest form of evidence. And Eric, from what your team had gathered uh, from your first investigation, that seemed to be the primary route for evidence. And it, it paid off not only because do we bring Mike stuff along, but just the fact that we all made sure we brought our own audio equipment and the fact that now you know to gear yourself toward gathering that audio evidence. And, and would you say it was a higher amount of clips? I mean, you gave us the, the best clips that you got from your first investigation, but would you say there's probably more raw stuff coming in this time around? Yes. I think just because we're using different type of equipment too. Uh, going with the uh, the ghost box or the hack shack uh, really brought a lot of different types of EVPs. Um, I think out of the selection of maybe 16 that we have, um, maybe three of them are a true EVP, just a you know a regular uh, white noise generated EVP. Where the other ones that were actually using the the ghost box as the white noise generator, and we did get a lot of that. So, and but. Kind of the converse thing to that, or, or parallel to that, as you could say, that maybe because you went there, you recorded, you spoke to them, and you came back, maybe the fact that you were back again with this equipment, they might have been more willing to come out. It definitely seemed like whatever was there was reluctant at first, but kind of opened up a little bit more the more it realized that we were hanging around. Yeah, that's actually a good point. We we really focused on a lot of the EVPs we got from the first one. Um, you know, we use like, call the doctor. That was one of the EVPs that that was now was one of my questions. You know, um, you know, I basically said, you know, the last time that I was here, somebody said call the doctor. You know, can you tell me who that was? So it kind of led us to a different direction. Where the first time, and you're first going in there for the first time, and you don't know what kind of spirit you're dealing with, um, it, it did give us an, an easy direction. Especially with the with the Quickershan Club, there's no real backstory 
to a haunting. You know, if there's paranormal activity going on in a place and it's been documented, then you've kind of got an idea of where to start with your questioning, where to start with your investigation. But when you're basically going in cold because you've had a few reports and and basically the main reason why is because the place is 100 years old and it just looks like the kind of place that would have activity. So when you're going in there without that kind of backstory to rely on, a lot of stuff coming in might not make any sense. But when you go back subsequent times, you can get more information. You can start to piece something together. Yep, you're right. And um, even though I, I don't know if you guys saw, there was like a set of pictures. There was uh, four pictures. That I think it's the only four known pictures of the Q Club. You know, we even tried to focus in on those type of photos for the uh, on the first investigation as well as the second investigation. Just because, um, I mean, you're trying to grab anything that you can. Because when we try to do our research on the Q Club, there was very little out there. Um, what we have is pretty much what's on Dan's website. Um, it, even if you Google it, there might be, uh, you're going to find a lot of things about the Quickishan because I think there's like the Quickishan River, or there's different things mm-hmm. that come up, but nothing that bases on that Mason Estate or the Quickishan Club. It's amazing how little information there is, uh, especially where, you know, there's Wikipedia entries for, you know, my toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> but there's nothing on a on a hundred plus year old club and and its rich history. So it's it. I almost wonder if something's being kept. And yeah. and although Dan doesn't know, and at least if he does, he's not telling us. But right. uh, it seems like uh, he doesn't know uh, of any kind of sordid history. But from what we gathered, there there definitely seems to be sordid history. And and I'd like to talk a little bit later on about the dangers of of some of the assumptions that we made and whether or not that, I mean, we, we can really break this down into theory and we can really talk about, you know, why EVPs happen and how they're generated and whether or not it's really spirit voices. And maybe we will get into some of that a little bit later on. Uh, but right now, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll break down for you exactly what the Shack Hack is, exactly what it is, how it works, and how it gathers this audio for us to use. Because if we don't, basically when we play it for you, you're going to be like, what the heck is that? So we'll go we'll go through that. We'll talk about that. We'll start playing some clips for you. We'll also take your calls. 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. We'll be right back with more of the results of our Quickishan Club investigation here on Spooky South Coast. the doors and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Beaming. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, who by the way is earning his paycheck tonight. All the stuff that I thrust upon him already and, and dealing with the show on the fly. Science advisor Matt Moniz, all he has to do is drive me here. So <laughs> <laughs> he gets the easy end. Uh, and, of course, I just don't do anything. And we're here with our guests in the studio. We have Jay and Eric from Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team, better known as Dart, if you don't want to say all that. And Luann from Wailing City Ghosts, better known as Wailing City Ghosts because, damn it, they don't abbreviate. 
And uh, we we're talking about our investigation of the Quickashan Club in Fall River. Uh, I want to reiterate to people, too, before we, we discuss this further, that just on the basis of being a, a private club of which you can become a member and enjoy the facilities, Quickashan Club is awesome. And uh, we, we had the chance to have some pizza while we were there that was just mm. phenomenal pizza. And Dan was telling me after we went off the air that if, the, if I thought the pizza was good, I have to go back and try the prime rib. So I have yet to try that, but uh, I will be doing that soon. Got my membership card in the mail last week. Matt, I know you've got yours already, so we'll be there frequently, and we highly recommend you join. If you just go to their website, quickashanclub.com, Q-U-E-Q-U-E-C-H-A-N, club.com, you can find all the contact info. You can get a hold of them, and they'll tell you. But membership starts uh, as as cheap as $50 a year, and that's... uh, that's pretty cheap when it comes to having a place where you know you can go have a couple beers or maybe have dinner with the wife and, you know, not run into any problems. You know, have a nice environment, people that you know, people that you're friends with, and um, the facilities are outstanding. I know we're going to be holding some stuff there in the future. Um, we're definitely going to be working with Dan to, to open the place up sometime in October for a group investigation because, you know, now that he's seen that there's stuff going on, I think he's, he's hungry to hear a little bit more. So uh, we'll we'll definitely set that up. Now, before we go on, uh, I want to take a step back and explain to everybody about one of these pieces of equipment that's kind of become uh, a staple of our investigation. Not only because is it cheap enough for everybody to get their hands on one, it's easy enough to modify to use it for the paranormal, and it's simple enough to actually operate. But to me, I like having the advantage of having live response in an investigation. So many times with EVP, electronic voice phenomena, you're basically going in there with a recording device. You're asking questions or just catching the the sounds of the rooms, whatever it is that you choose to use as your technique. And then you're going to go back and you're going to listen for these disembodied voices, unexplainable noises, unexplainable words, things that you didn't hear with your own ear that show up on the recorded media. And that's kind of a tedious process because not only do you have to go back and listen for all that, but you're hearing about it after the fact that you've already left the location. And with using the Shack Hack, you actually are able to hear it uh, while it's going on, and then it can kind of lead you from where you go from there. And that's happened to us a number of times on different times where we've used it, where it's opened the door for a new avenue to the story, a new avenue to the investigation that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. But basically, it's called the Shack Hack because it's a Radio Shack radio, and it's been hacked. And it's that simple. It's a, an AM, FM digital radio, and it's it's something like $29.99, for, although they're getting harder to find. Uh, you kind of got to get them from the website now. There's not so many in the stores because they've come out with newer models. Thankfully, the paranormal community is on top of that. Each time they come out with a newer model, somebody figures out how to open it up and make the necessary adjustments. And a lot of times you can... I'm sorry, Tim, just to, if anybody wants to YouTube that and you put in the Hack Shack, just like Tim said, there's two different models. There's actually um, two fantastic videos that will show you how to break that thing down in a matter of, like, two minutes. Literally, yeah. Literally. And it's, uh, I think the latest model, which I, that's one we made for Luann, was 19.95 or something like that. Oh, so even better. So they're dropping in price. It's, it's uh, pretty cheap, so. Well, that's because uh, nobody's buying AM from radios anymore, <laughs> except unless you're using them for this. But uh, if you, yeah, if you go to YouTube or if you go to ufogeek.com, that's kind of the website where this stuff all started, where the, the people involved with originally uh, hacking into this device figured it out. But basically what you do is you remove the mute pin from the circuit board. And what that is, is that's something that fires off 
when it's going through the digital sweep of the stations. Uh, it, it's programmed, it's got this pin on it that what it does is when it reaches a strong enough signal, it automatically stops. Same thing as the scan button on your radio in the car. You press the button, it's going to keep going. When it hits a signal, it'll stop. Uh, this has been removed so that it just keeps sweeping. And you've heard of Frank's box. Uh, you've heard of, of devices like that. Well, it's the same type of thing. You're basically giving radio waves to the spirit to be able to pull out the words that it needs. So the basic theory is you're sweeping through all these radio channels, and all these words are made available, more words than you could possibly say yourself in a single second. The spirit reaches out, finds the words that it needs to get its point across, and uses that to you, uh, uses that to speak to you. So even though you might hear, say, a, what happens to us a lot, a Red Sox broadcast, so many times you'll hear the voice of Joe Castiglione coming over the WBSM airwaves telling you something about the game, it doesn't matter if you can identify what the sound is, where it came from, what jingle it is. The fact is what's supposed to be important is the word, the word that's being said. We know that it's a radio wave. We know that it's coming from somewhere on the radio. So we, you can't get wrapped up so much in that, and you have to focus on what the word is being said. But that being said, you get some pretty crazy stuff out of it that shouldn't be on a radio broadcast. And... We'll take a step back and kind of go into the story of, of what we think is going on there, but let's just say there's a lot of words that were said that night that are not common discussions on AM or FM radio. Uh, they Not a lot of talk about whores and raping on the radio, at least not in what I'm listening to, but I don't listen to enough Howard Stern, so I can't really uh, speak for that, but I, it wasn't a serious radio, so I don't think we were getting Stern. In. So, Eric... When you first talked with Dan, I mean, what did he kind of tell you about the club's history and maybe in particular about that third floor, historically speaking? Um, Dan actually had very, believe it or not, he had very little knowledge of anything that really went up there. Some of the stories actually came from some of the employees um, that when they were kind of intrigued in the building and they tried to research it, um, that they found I don't know if it was a story or just claims of it being a brothel. Mm -hmm. So when I actually brought that to Dan, he actually kind of, he still kind of chuckles. He's still not really sure if he knows that for a fact it's a brothel. And I would love to find that somewhere in, in some type of literature. Um, but uh, he, he's starting to believe. I mean, if I can say that listening to some of the EVPs that we've caught there and, and him being in that room now, he definitely feels uh, a lot different of being in there. Um, at one time when he was, uh, he was redoing one of his, I think his second house or something like that. He, uh, he, when he was sleeping up there, he actually heard a loud bunch of footsteps and a bunch of bangs. And now of us bringing some of those other EVPs, you know, of, uh, you know, a woman saying, Hey, or, or, um, some of them that we have now it's, you know, rape and things like that. He's definitely thinking different of what really went on up that, in that building. So. Again, you know, that kind of stuff, it may be hard to find. Like, you're not going to find a lot of newspaper clippings or uh, not a lot of people are going to come forward and say, well, I used to hire the prostitutes at the Quickstrand Club. But it, it's something that, you know, there probably is enough hearsay evidence and, and there's probably enough stuff published somewhere that you can come across that. It's just somebody's got to happen upon it in a historical document or, or some sort of uh, maybe a biography of somebody in the town. or. Why didn't you check court documents? That's true. That might be a very good place to check, especially if uh, <laughs> they had some good busts going on there. 
some nice raids back in, say, the 1920s. But we're looking at it from this perspective, too, okay? You're talking about Fall River, which is kind of in the middle of the route from Boston to Providence, especially using the older roads that were in existence back then. Um, It's not out of the realm of possibility that the, we'll say, organized crime people that were notorious in the Providence area might want to have a place outside of the city where they would keep women for whatever purposes, or just a place where they can go outside the the nose of the uh, the Providence police and the FBI in the city, and they could kind of go out into what's essentially the suburbs a little bit and, and have some fun. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Then when you get up there and you see the way that it's laid out, and it definitely looks like it was some sort of room, some sort of boarding area, uh, it it certainly has the the layout of what could be a bordello or a brothel, and I mean, it's I feel bad saying that because it's such a nice building. I'm not trying to to say that it 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 seems like it is today, but you could see where it could have been in the past. Well, if you're going into organized crime, a lot of the stuff from the 20s had to do with bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Providence isn't really a that large, or wasn't back then a large shipping port, but Fall River was, especially with all the mills. And if you look at all of the pictures in the Quickishan Club, what are all the rooms named after? That's right. Steamships. Uh-huh. And, and uh-huh. various shipping. The place was closely tied with the shipping and the docks along the, because it's right there on almost on the water. So, yeah. Plus we Boot- found some pipes in the wall that we thought might have been uh, yeah. <laughs> used for those purposes. But you understand what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, so uh, having organized crime in that area would make a lot of sense because that's where a lot of the contraband would be coming in and out of. Yeah, plus, if you know, as anybody knows, if you're going to bring something into the place where you're most watched, you don't do it that way. You bring it somewhere else and right. drive it in in disguise. But we're looking at a, at a possibility of a lot of things going on there that wouldn't, wouldn't be talked about and wouldn't be uh, widely discussed in, in the club's history. And while we're using that kind of in the back of our minds as a potential storyline, no, none of us were out there saying, well, the place used to be a brothel. You know, we, we just were considering it as a possibility. Then, Luann, we go up to the third floor, and you brought your shack hack with you, and we brought our recorders. And Excuse me, I know that the, the Dart had video running uh, on that third floor, but you decided to sit down in the room by yourself with the shack hack and a pair of headphones and try to make a connection. Kind of just walk us through what happened when you when you started doing that. It was pretty incredible to actually sit there and listen to the thing. It, it goes really fast, mm-hmm. so you have to really concentrate. I missed a lot when in my recording that I didn't actually hear with my ears because it goes that fast. But you actually it, missed some of your recording too because you forgot to turn the recorder on. Yeah, that didn't <laughs> help. <laughs> that didn't help at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. it it just kept repeating it. It said a lot about Marie. It said a lot about rape and please don't, things like that, as as if. And it, it the funny thing about the Hack Shack was when it was saying all of that, it kept coming through as a female voice. And it, then later on, when I was up there alone, I was getting more of a male voice. And that was how it felt when you guys weren't there. It felt like there was a man up there. And in the audio, he admits it, that he's there. He says yes. Well, we uh, we tried an experiment where, because Luann being the only female on the investigative team that night, uh, because I took my vitamins, so we decided to leave her upstairs uh, by herself while us gentlemen went downstairs. And, and basically, there's a room down there, too, that we love. 
And I just wanted an excuse to sit down there in the cool night air for a little while in the easy chair. But uh, we, we left her up there to see if just her presence, if this Marie was there and what we thought was going on was going on, she might feel more comfortable talking solely with a woman. And then to see if there would be any kind of change between what she was getting when she was alone and what she'd be getting when the men came upstairs. So when you were up there by yourself and you were able to, to speak with her, we'll say directly, were you kind of feeling feeling her pain, so to speak? When I was up there alone, mm-hmm. it felt more like it was a male. No, but I mean like just in, She in, had backed off. When you're hearing well, from her. It's it's a weird feeling with that, Marie. I I don't even know how to explain it. it it's almost like I feel like she's there, but she's not right in her head somehow. Like the trauma damaged her that much. Mm-hmm. So the the theory that we were able to kind of quickly cobble together is that there were women of ill repute on that third floor and that this Marie was one of them, uh, but that it was kind of against her will. I mean, whether or not she freely decided to, to take that job, so to speak, uh, she was no longer making her own decisions at the point in which she was speaking to us. Um, and you, well, if that were the fact, it would be rape every time. Yes. And... I mean, I, we're only speculating here, but there's certainly uh, known instances where women perform that profession, and it's not of their own volition. They're kind of under the control of uh, somebody else, usually a man, and that could have been what was going on. Uh, you seem to also be able to identify who the male might have been as well, or at least you were getting a male name. Yes, Preston. And do, do you equate that with who this male figure was? When you were up there? See, I almost think that Preston cared about Marie because when I asked if they had children, he said, with Marie. And where are they now? They're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I almost wonder how he came into the whole scenario because I can see much more easily like a female being dragged away into this. I mean, back then, women had no rights if or even if you were raped you became useless afterwards you were you know you were damaged goods no one would want to marry you and especially like say she became pregnant from a rape what would happen to her you know unmarried with children back then and there is also a child voice too so were the children there with her while she was you know enacting this profession and, and those of you who uh, are familiar with the show know how creeped out we get by child EVPs, but we, we have a pretty chilling one that we'll play for you coming up in the second hour. Uh, I mean, we are, like I said, we are piecing together a story, but I can't recall a session with EVP or with the, the hashtag or with any of these things where we've seen so often the same names come through again and again. And not just where it was identifying investigators by name, which it did, but also to keep hearing this Marie. You heard the Preston a couple of times. You know, you hear this reiteration of who these people are. It, it, it makes me feel like we definitely were on the right track, at least in identifying them. Well, that's the thing that really got me was I didn't know how to take the hack shack. I was basically repeating what it said to give you guys something, you know, to work with. Um, but when I was actually going over the audio and a lot of the things that the Hack Shack was saying were in there, I, I was, you know, I have to say I was flabbergasted because I didn't know how to take the whole, you know, this is radio coming through here. And, and normally when you, it's, it's kind of an either or thing. You know, normally you're either getting at least 
in, in the times that I've used it, you're getting either results through traditional EVP or you're getting results through the through the Shack Hack, and it's usually not they're usually not uh, related. You know, usually one's not verifying the other. Uh, one might be taking one direction, the other might be taking another direction. But in this case, it seemed like one was definitely verifying what the other one was saying. And we're going to get into all that and more coming up after the news. We're up against the news break now, so uh, we're not going to get into playing any clips. But like I said, we've got something like 46 clips that we can play for you. And we're going to give you the opportunity to hear them, to make the decision for yourself, uh, to see what it is that you're hearing. We're also going to put all this stuff up online on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, where you'll be able to download it for yourself. You'll be able to listen. You'll be able to check it out. Matt, I know that uh, you were working on uh, What exactly do you have planned for, for putting that up on the website? Uh, so far, the, we have the uh, the video up there that Eric took. And um, right now, there is actually a uh, an archive file that uh, contains every EVP that everybody collected. I'm working on embedding all the ones that, we, that we're talking about today. Um, that should be up. Hopefully by Monday. And is this going to like totally so. drive our like user fees on the website to the roof? Um, I think we're we're going to grace. We're, we're going to be right underneath the uh, max. So uh, <laughs> download it while you can, folks. Yeah. When download it while the uh, while the pocketbook lasts. So uh, no, that we want everybody to be able to get a hold of them to to break them down. And of course, you can always just take the MP3 version of the show, and uh, and be able to listen to it. But you're putting up the wave files, Matt. Is that what's what's going up there? Yeah, I'm gonna put up the raw audio files so people can download them and uh, analyze them, do what they want with them. And it's always better when you can get your hands on the original wave instead of the compressed MP3. Uh, so we will leave them up there at least as long as our hosting will allow it. And uh, if you want to pull out the MP3 versions, you can always get them from this episode of the show. But we're going to talk about all that. We'll discuss that video that Matt mentioned. We'll play you some of these clips. Some of them are going to make you sad. Some of them are going to send a chill down your spine. Some of them are going to make you scratch your head and say, what? Which is just how we like it. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Music means Ooh, we're stuck in an elevator? No! <laughs> Wrong! Spooky South Coast is bad. I can smell your tears. I'm not afraid. You will be. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Man, it's been a while since I've said that. I think. Red Sox have been playing havoc with our schedule. But we are here tonight for a full program, talking with you about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night. Uh, next week, we're going to be subject to the Red Sox again, and then who knows what's going to happen in October. we got to figure something out. we got to find a way to just stream online, and then people can join us in when the show is already in progress. 
when the uh, when the baseball game is over. We gotta find a way to make that happen. Dan we'll Chase, we're talking out. to you. <laughs> <laughs> you got Matt's number. Call him, and we'll figure it out. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna suspend the week in weird for this week. Uh, normally at this time, we would bring you through some of the strange and unusual stories that you may have missed. But uh, we need all the time to play these EVP clips that we have coming up for you. But uh, just some notes if you want to join up with us on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash spookysc. I think the happening thing now is to say at spookysc. Is that the way you handle the Twitter stuff, Matt? I have no idea. I'm, out of, I'm out of the loop. You don't know Twitter. You don't use Twitter. And uh, I know Matt Moniz is a, is a is a Facebook guy. And uh, we're working on trying to get a spooky South Coast Facebook. But uh, for now, you can just find me. Tim Weisberg on Facebook, and that'll give you all the show updates uh, as well. Because when I started that, like you couldn't have a, a, a Facebook account for somebody who wasn't a person, but I guess now that's changed. So our, our buddy Chris Balzano is going to work on that for us. And uh, MySpace.com/slash Spooky South Coast. Although I can tell you, I hardly ever go on that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I, I mentioned on uh, this week's episode of South Coast Sports Zone. But you can get it at southcoastsportszone.com. Plug, plug. Uh, I mentioned how I was going to come up with this new uh, this new social site that I've come up with, and I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys as well. But I I, I told Cost about it. It's called Face It Book. <laughs> That's the idea, Face It Book, and it's the social networking tool that lets you know that you are a social networking tool. And uh, basically, <laughs> basically what it is is. It uh, through through the use of a RF chip that will be embedded under your skin, everything that you do in your life will be posted on your Facebook page, so everybody will know exactly how lame you are. So no matter how much time you spend going on Facebook and MySpace and trying to act like you're cool, and look at this video, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna link to this video, and I'm gonna put this song on my profile, so everybody thinks I'm cool. It will say, "Crawled up on the couch with a glass of warm milk, watching Vampire Diaries with Matt Costa." And uh, I've been teasing you about that, but how is it? I, I, I don't know. I stare at the wall when it's on. <laughs> I know. I just we, we The way I see it is everybody has one CW show that they watch, but they don't want to admit. Mine's Smallville. Matt, you watch a couple of them. Moni's? No? No CW shows for you? What's CW? There you go. <laughs> he watches the History Channel, the Sci-Fi Channel, and Learning Channel, and Discovery Channel. That's about it. And then occasionally he just watches the White Snow Static. And he's zoning out. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of the uh, History Channel, Discovery Channel, and all those, uh, I saw on the Biography Channel there's a new show coming out called Celebrity Paranormal Stories or something, where uh, it's basically celebrities sharing their uh, paranormal experiences with the audience. And the clips that they show has an all-star lineup, including Joan Rivers, who I don't think she ever met a TV show she wouldn't pretend something happened on, and Debbie Mazur, who if, if does anybody here know who Debbie Mazur is? I can't believe, I'm embarrassed to say that I do. But uh, you'll, you'll know her when you see her. She's on, like, everything. Uh, but... Uh, she, she she has the look of a 1950s pinup and the acting ability of a 1950s pinup. So uh, huh, there you go. But that's coming soon. Uh, October 2nd, I believe, is the debut. What, for that. Gary Busey wasn't available? I'm sure he'll be on a future <laughs> episode. But uh, he just wasn't in the uh, in the opening. I'm sure like all the hangers on of the paranormal of the uh, celebrity world have probably had a paranormal encounter that they're willing to share. I'm expecting uh, Todd Bridges in a future episode. 
Uh, who else? Danny Bonaducci. Maybe Danny Bonaducci, yeah. <laughs> Danny Bonaducci will share a story about how he kicked that ghost's ass. I showed him who's boss. I did heroin. I'm going to stand up to a ghost. That ain't nothing. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Imagine if somebody just tuned in right that long. <laughs> right where they... I, uh, I'll kick your ass like you were Reuben Kincaid. Pay me. All right. Danny Bonaducci, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Email me, Tim, at SpookySouthCoast.com. All right, let's get back into the serious side of the paranormal. Let's talk more about this uh, this investigation that we did at the Quickershan Club with DART, Whaling City Ghosts, Mike Markowitz, and uh, Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal. And it, just the chance to get out and work with these people for us is always fun. Uh, it was our first time really investigating with DART. Uh, Whaling City Ghosts, we've been down your throat since day one, and... I, re- I remember when you didn't even have a paranormal group. Oh, back in the old days of 2006. Yeah, but uh, and now you guys are out there all the time helping us out with various things. And, of course, Mike, who uh, always helps us out, and, and Andrew, who is pretty much Moniz's doppelganger. <laughs> they don't look anything alike, but they think exactly alike, and they investigate exactly alike. And When we had first planned this, uh, Moniz had said that he, there was a chance that he was going to have to be out of town that weekend. So immediately I say, well, then we're going to have to get Andrew because it's the same as having Moniz. <laughs> They're just of the same mindset. and, and uh, how- We work well together. I have to say, me and Andrew and I work well together because we do follow similar uh, techniques. And how, how much did you know each other before the start of Spooky South Coast? Didn't. And that's, that's what's amazing to me is the fact that we bring these people together and you find people that we should have probably known each other our whole lives. But uh, it didn't really happen until... Well, I like what happened here at the Quickersham. We had multiple people, different disciplines, different groups, went into a place that, well, with the exception of Dart, none of us had ever known or heard before. We all melded quite peaceably and worked quite well together. And it shows that as long as you don't bring the egos, you're doing all right. I mean, I don't want to get on the soapbox here, but how hard is it for that to happen? And I'm sure you guys have had instances where you've crossed paths with other investigators where it may not be something that flares up as it does uh, in other places with other groups. But, I mean, it's hard to get people that are willing to work together. And and we said going into it, Eric, this is your investigation. You know, you guys are running the show here and tell us what you want us to do. But it, it wasn't like that at all. It was organic. It was, well, let's do this. Let's try this. They're doing this. It seems like a good idea. And it's kind of the model for how these things should work. That's that's probably the biggest service we can do by bringing the public along for these investigations that we're trying to open up to people. Uh, besides the fact that it gets them into these places when they might not have a chance to otherwise, it shows them not only the benefits of working together, but also that here's a group like DART, here's a group like Wheeling City Goes, people that can help you get out there. I mean, are you guys actively looking for more members if people are interested in joining? Or No. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason I, I say no is it, keeping have, having a nice small group is it, it keeps everybody. When you have there are a lot of teams out there that have forty, fifty people in their group. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how they can even keep that even organized. Um, but having uh, we're only we only have four people in our in our team, and I think it's easy for us to all we all get along. We're all friends. Uh, you know, we, we investigate the paranormal, and um, you know, it, like just like Matt was saying, you know, the egos. There are teams out there that 
you, you question one of their EVPs or you question one of their videos, my God, I mean, you'd be shunned. I mean, that's how yeah. bad it is out uh, there. And they'll just make up stuff about you. They'll talk bad about you. They, they really will, and it's, it's, it's a shame. And that's where, you know, just how we met Luann. I mean, now me and Luann will talk back and forth on Facebook, and we always talk about upcoming, you know, projects maybe we can do together. And um, so it, it kind of united us. See, and that's... That's what I'm. What I mean is, you know, you're not accepting new members. Whaling City Ghosts has always been a small group themselves, you know. So because you you have these small contained groups that you like to keep, you know, to a small group for your own management purposes, and you know, just to to make sure that you can keep track of what's going on in investigations, it gives you the opportunity to to network with other people. It's I can't believe when I hear stories about other places where groups say, "Oh, we don't work with them. We don't talk to them." They get mad because they say we went to the place that they went to and we were on their turf. And we say it all the time, folks, but it's not like that here. I mean, here in this neck of the woods, we're just happy enough to find another investigative team. They're like, let's do stuff together. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's not just let's go and investigate this place together. It's let's hang out. Let's go to the mall. Let's go to a barbecue. Let's do this. Because that's the only way you're really going to get along. And you find out it has its advantages. Some people have equipment that you don't have. Some people have access to places you don't have. Some people have time that other people in your group might not have. So while Jay might not be able to make it to an investigation that Dart has scheduled, you know that you could call Mike or Luann or somebody who can sure. come in and, and help out as well. So yep. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm saying that I don't, we don't want anybody, you know, in, in the team, but uh, if anybody ever wanted to email us, you know, if you had a, a good idea of maybe a new piece of equipment, mm -hmm. um, something that you think you can bring to the team uh, that we allow us to allow you to come in and um i definitely welcome that anytime that somebody wants to uh email me with a suggestion or something that we did that you didn't like you know i'm open-minded to that too that we would change that and uh do the best we can to give you the best evidence that we can you know give you and also if people want to get in touch with you for an investigation i'm sure uh you want to give out your email address so people can get a hold of you yeah i mean you, the best way to to get me is uh dart hunters it's uh d-a-r-t H-U-N-T-E-R-S at AOL.com. Um, you can also see me on Facebook, which is uh, Eric Lavoy. Um, I think it's, I don't know if it's at AOL.com, but just if you think if you just put in Eric Lavoy on Facebook, you should be able to see me there. And you can go to ours, and you'll find everybody's all linked up, because we're all friends. We'll get along. Luann, do you have a way for people to get a hold of you if they want to get, get in touch with you for an investigation, or you kind of just like to work with... We do have a Whaling City Ghost website. They can contact us through that. Um, you can find me on MySpace and Facebook also. Um, usually it's word of mouth, amazingly, that That's usually how they find sometimes us. Sometimes it's all it takes. Especially when you have, you know, an approach uh, with yourself and Gabby that's different than what you see on TV. You know, it's a, you don't have to worry about when you, when you call Whaling City Ghost, you don't have to worry about eight people on a camera crew descending upon your location it's usually just the two of them and that's all they need so well we've been talking all night about these evps that we have to play for you uh and we're going to start doing that now and it's just it's phenomenal the amount of stuff that came out of here uh just with basically what was kind of a, a interrupted investigation because we were doing the live broadcast from there so it was we started we stopped we went back to it we called it a night I know uh, Moniz and I kind of left without saying goodbye. We're sorry about that. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. We caught you on film, though, saying goodbye. Now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we did make sure that we turned around and said goodbye. And then uh, then Mike called us because he got locked out of the building. I hope somebody <laughs> let him back in. 
Yeah, we never did see him. At, at <laughs> he was just, guys, guys, <laughs> can I at least have my stuff back? No. But uh, it was it was just a fun night. You know, it, it, it wasn't as uh, intensive an investigation as, as the Quickshank Club probably needs, and I'm, I'm sure Dart will be going back there in the future to, to handle that. And, and uh, we know that... Moniz and I, if we go just to have a few drinks and a pizza, we're going to bring our tape recorders with us. I plan on, uh, if things work out right, <laughs> I'm going to leave equipment there. There you go. All right. Yeah, I'd like to see what uh, what Marie and Preston have to say about that. All right, so let's get into this stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll kind of take it through chronologically of how the evidence came in uh, because that kind of will also take us chronologically through the investigation. Uh, as we said, we started the night by going up to the third floor, the, the brothel area, as we're calling it. And um, I had only one piece of evidence myself, only, and I did let it run for a long time, as I said, uh, upstairs, because we forgot it up there and it was running the whole time. And I, I gave it a, a pretty good listen without hearing much. I mean, you hear the tiny, tiny whispers in the background, but it's nothing that's really that you can amplify and kind of uh, hear anything out of it. But interestingly enough, out of four hours of audio, the thing that I got happened right at the beginning. And so we're going to play a clip of that. This was on my Sony uh, handheld IC recorder, the one that I use for most investigations because it's, you know, it's easy to use and I can see it in the dark. Bye. You hear that? It's, it's, it's feedback. Because yeah. you only hear it when you speak loud. You have a mic in here? Are you there? Please stop. So I kind of tell everybody what was going on there because it, it might be a little hard to differ. I should have set that up. I'm sorry. I always make the guests set theirs up, and I don't even set up my own. But w- what was going on is we were up there on the third floor, and uh, there was a... a a camera and a, and a monitor recording the room and we were hearing like a feedback and interference noise and so uh, it took us a minute to figure out that that's where it was coming from and we had to turn it down actually all we had to do was ask Eric and he was just like it's probably this right here but uh, <laughs> we're, we're listening for that and at the same time you hear Luann in the background she had the headphones on listening to the uh, Shack Hack and she is repeating what's coming through and she's hearing this Marie and you hear her say Marie and then you hear her say for us to be quiet. And then right after that, um, again, the only female there was Luann. And uh, she was, you hear her speaking. And then underneath that, you hear what sounds to me like a scream. Can you, can you play that one more time, Matt? Again, direct response to Eric's it's, it's feedback. Because you only hear it when you speak loud. You have a mic in here? Right there. Please stop. So we, we actually uh, we got that on multiple recorders because Luann also got that on her Sony recorder uh, as well. But then when you ran it through your, when you played the RCA recorder that you have, it was a little bit different. I, I don't think I have the clip here. Do I, I don't have the uh, Edward one, do I not? No? Okay. But uh, why don't you tell us, well, I guess I kind of gave it away, but tell us what happened when you played it on the RCA recorder. Well, when 
that's the weird thing with the RCA. It actually says Edward, and it doesn't sound like a scream. Well, it's a screaming. Kind of like, Edward! But, yeah. Like, somebody's excited to see Edward, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> but that was, um, I mean, that was the only thing I had. And I was, like, kind of worried. I was like, well, if that's all that happened, it happened right at the beginning. I, I hope the other guys got something, at least. And I, I guess looking at the pages of notes in front of me, that that wasn't a problem. Um I guess the next one that I, that I received and and is, is pretty close around that same time is one that uh, Luann got when again same thing kind of right when you started investigate uh, started listening to your audio from the investigation something jumped out at you right away. You want to set that up for us? Which one is this? Uh, the can't change life. Oh, okay. That was we were actually speaking about um, them being prostitutes in a nice way because that wasn't what I was hearing in the hack shack um, and I'm actually speaking and another female voice comes up and says can't change life I can't change and to me that kind of almost goes along with the whole prostitution thing and not being very willing about it okay and you recorded that on both devices the RCA yes. and the Sony yes. so why don't we play uh, each of those Matt we can run them back to back so that uh, people can hear the, the two versions <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, you're getting it back to back. Now, Eric cleaned that one up, and when he cleaned it up, it actually came up with what, what he thought was something different. And uh, if you, um, I'll just give you that. And and I, I don't know what you did to clean it up. I don't know what your process is, um, but it definitely did come out as being something different uh, than it did in Luann's original recording. Yes, um, it's kind of funny. We sometimes EVPs, you know, I hear it. I hear exactly what Luann has on there now. I use, um, I think, Cool Edit. I mm -hmm. think that's what we use to clean that up. Um, and I think I, I might have cut it. I don't know how, how many uh, decimals or whatever. But the voice that I, I was hearing, it almost sounds like it was a Portuguese um, word for, it says taboon. And taboon is almost like a thank you or depends how it's said in the sentence. Um, but maybe if we play it, I can kind of Sure, Matt. You want to run that, that one? Come and play. <laughs> And right at the end, it almost sounds like we thought we said it's maybe said it was saying taboon and being in Far River, which would be as Portuguese. And uh, like I said, it's just one of those things that um, I'm not sure if it's saying that, but uh, it's just something that just, sometimes just to throw out there. Hear things differently, and and nobody's really sure what's right. And I, I welcome people to always say, "Well, I don't hear that, but I hear this," because. What you don't realize when you're saying it, but what you're saying you're hearing could be totally in sync with other audio that I found as well. Yep. So, all right, let me just grab the back <laughs> so I can see where we're going next. All right, well, uh, the next one is kind of what got us going on the idea of what might have happened. Uh, this is, again, this is from uh, Luann's RCA recording, and, and uh, this is when you were first hearing about what might have happened to this Marie. Uh, we'll play that, and then Luann can kind of discuss it with us. Matt, sorry.
So it sounds like you're using the shack hack with the headphones on and you're hearing this this raped on the headphones and you're having that discussion with the spirit and uh, in, in the background of the regular recorder you can kind of hear raped raped again and again uh, seems like they were really trying to get that point across definitely and it's it's really weird because the hack shot kept saying it over and over and over again during that period so that it came up in the recorder also that repeated rape it makes me wonder if they're actually making some of these EVPs but also at the same time interacting with the hack shack mm-hmm. like are they saying it at the same time so, also? whichever one you might listen to we want to make sure that you get what we're trying right. to say right, well uh, we'll move on to the to the next one and, and this is when you would kind of discover the Preston spirit and uh, you, you were asking it uh, if it might have, you know, might have been involved with the the girls, <laughs> <laughs> might have hired their services or, or utilized their services. So, why don't we play that? And and we've got both the original and the cleaned up version, so we'll play both of them back to back for you. Did you come here and visit the girls here, Preston? Very quietly there, you can hear it at the end. Maybe a little bit. Why don't you play the cleaned up version, Matt? We'll see if we can hear it better. Okay, you can hear that. Maybe a little bit. Well, at least he's honest. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, why don't we, Matt, <clears throat> since we're, uh, we're at the, the half hour mark, why don't we take our last break of the night? And then when we come back, we'll just go straight through with playing some of these the, the rest of the way. We've got a, a whole bunch more. Uh, that we can we can discuss, uh, and we'll also take any calls you might have. 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. off shelves from 20 feet away and scare the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> all right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz. We have Eric and Jay from DART and Luann from Wailing City Ghosts all hanging out in the studio. We're going over the evidence from our Quickishan Club investigation. And uh, it is all going to be posted up right on SpookySouthCoast.com for you to check out as well. Uh, as I said, we had 46 clips that we came in here with. We were feeling pretty ambitious <laughs> when we thought we'd have time to play them all. But <clears throat> what we'll do is we'll try to go through some of the best of them and uh, we'll, we'll play them uh, here on the show. And then you can download the rest of them right from our website and be able to listen to them for yourselves. Uh, just amazing stuff uh, that we got from a variety of different ways and means and investigative techniques, and we're going to give you some of the highlights now. Now, we did talk about the uh, the little girl voice, uh, the, the child voice, and those are always the creepiest for me, so uh, I would definitely want to play this one. Um, 
We'll go right into that one, Matt, if you want. And this is when you were asking, Luann, you were asking if they had had children and, and what had happened to the children. And, and this is kind of the response that happened then, around that time. Okay, Matt. Try not to get creeped out over there. You can almost barely make it out. Just real quick there, you can hear. It sounds like, Mommy, Mommy, am I in the physical? And uh, we have, <clears throat> we should have both the long version and the cleaned up version there for people to download if they want to listen to it both ways. And, and that's part of the thing with a lot of these, it's better to hear them in the natural way they're acquired, you know, to hear the longer clip, and then you can hear that shorter clip to kind of uh, get an idea for it. Uh, the next one here that, that's pretty good is uh, Summertime's Here. Matt, if you want to play that one. And then we can follow it up with the cleaned up version afterwards. You just hear it there in the background, uh, kind of a comical male voice. Look at the, the cleaned up Popeye, version there. The ghost of Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> he was a pirate. Pretty funny. It might have been. You know? <laughs> Yo, ho, ho. Uh, the next one, uh, Have the Book. This one's uh, got PG-13 borderline R language, but we'll play it anyway. And you want to play the cleaned up version? I don't know if you do, but <laughs> let's play the cleaned up version anyway. <laughs> Have the book, I'm effing dead. <laughs> and that's what we're hearing in that one. Uh, and then uh, this is this is Luann kind of telling Marie what she would have done uh, to the men who abused Marie. You, you, you told her that you'd beat them up, right? That's right. And this is the, the response that came there, interest, interestingly, from a male voice. Mm. No surprise. Uh, we could probably play both versions, the regular and the cleaned up. Go now. Leave us. Should have given you one of these lists, too, huh? Just in the background. Want to hit the? See, so you can definitely, uh, definitely hear that in the background. And uh, Luann got lots of other stuff. I mean, just numerous references to rape in a lot of her clips. I mean, I, I, I didn't play a lot of the shack hack ones that you had because they're so short and. Unless you're attuned to listening to that as we've become, for the people listening, it might be hard to make out um, because they're short, but they're all up there for people to, to check out and listen. And uh, you had instances where they were calling you out by name, calling Eric out by name, uh, and the name Preston came up uh, uh, more than a few times. And uh, also the interesting reference was the took the needle mm. uh, clip that came up, and you were kind of speculating what that might have been. 
Yeah, actually, when you said that about, you know, the organized crime and all of that, it made a little more sense because I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. But, I mean, even today, fishermen, a lot of them are drug addicts, unfortunately. So just some 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 interesting stuff for, coming from your approach of, of making that connection with the spirit and, and being the sole female presence in the investigation as well. Uh, then we got some of the evidence that Dart compiled, and uh, they also have numerous clips as well. We'll try to play some of the some of the best of them here. Um, we can start off. I like I, I like when you get real specific answers to questions, and obviously that's a, a prime piece of evidence for people. But I just like it because when you get a direct response, then you know you asked the right question. And as a journalist, you know when we get a good answer, we know we asked the right question. And it's kind of the same way with EVP. So uh, the first one, A0015, Matt, if you want to run that one. And it, this, this clip's kind of a little self-explanatory, so. What room number should go to? So there you go, right out of the uh, shack hack. You hear 6, 10, and 3. And it was, now, have these been clipped for time, or are these immediate? Is this how it came through the shack hack right after the question? Yep, that's exactly the way it was. There was actually, a, it sounded like another 6 in front of the 6, but that was the only portion that I cut out because it, it kind of might have thrown somebody off because it sounded like something different. But that six ten three was right after each other. And and wasn't there something about the rooms that were there? Were there numbers on the rooms that were there? There is, and I don't. There's not a doesn't go up to number ten, but I believe there's six rooms. In each room, it goes back and forth, left to right. So it's well, it does it does have ten. Wow, so just the numbers okay. posted on it. Oh, there you go. Very interesting. All right, just uh, taking a look at some of these other ones. Uh, the next one, actually, uh, A0017, and uh, you'll you'll hear this one pretty clearly. And you can kind of hear, this is what we're talking about when we say, with that shack hack, it kind of pulls the words out that it needs, so they're going to come out in different voices. And, and Eric, what do we hear there? What I'm thinking of saying it's and still sleep in bed or still sleep in a bed. Um, I don't know if that's what you guys got out of that one. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, know, I mean, you ask a question, do you still sleep up here, and you get still sleep in bed. Can you play that again, Maddie? Yeah, so you can definitely make that out. And again, as I said, we're running short on time, so uh, some of these we're not going to get to, but definitely go to the website and download them because uh, they're fascinating stuff. Like there's one here, it's a, it's about two minutes long, where um, they were going through an EVP session and, and you're getting kind of like responses to what their questions were. And uh, these are the kind of clips that you can really sink your teeth into because, again, as I said, it's two minutes long, so you have a chance to hear the, the ambiance of what's going on. We're not just giving you the, the little short clip that we're kind of forced to with radio. You can really get into the feel of what was going on in the room at the time. Uh, this one here, A0023, Matt, let's play that one because it it's a reference to something that was coming up repeatedly in the work Luann was doing. Play that again. Very quickly at the end there, and uh, the next one should be the, the loop version of that. 
It's like, I'll rape it. Yep. So, <laughs> again, coming through with the same stuff, and, and uh, it's a little creepy. Uh, how about A0029, Matt, where we get more of that corroborating evidence? <laughs> you hear okay, and then poor. And, and pretty much whenever we mentioned Marie to that shack hack, that was the word that would come out almost instantaneously after it. You would hear it say quite clearly, whore. And that happened in a number of, uh, number of occasions. And, uh, let's, let's play, uh, A0029 just because we like, uh, to incur FCC fines here. Come out here and talk to us. Well, one more time. Uh, you'll hear me say come out and talk come to us. Come out here and talk to us. Real quick, no bullshit. <laughs> oh, I just said it on there. Oh, crap. <laughs> Sorry. Ronies, can you lend me 1500 bucks? <laughs> okay, here's here's an interesting one, too. Uh, A0029, uh, you get... There's actually a couple of uh, clips that come out of here, so why don't we just fire those off, Matt, and you can kind of play them. See here, what is your name? And then the male voice says Milky. I, I do. I think it's saying Milky. Um, that was that's kind of a tough one. If somebody does hear something different, I'm definitely open mind to hear that. But that's an odd name for somebody else to come through. We heard Preston. We heard um, what was the other male voice we had? Did you get another male voice too? Harry and Junior. Yeah. So there's. there's a few. I mean, for. We're talking about names that could have been common to the time and common nicknames that they would have used amongst each other yep. uh, as well. Uh, how about the next one of that, too, Matt, if you can? So you hear more of that, Marie and Maria. It's it's just like reiteration. Marie's not here. Yeah. Yep. M- more reiteration of, uh, of what there is. Uh, let's take a quick look down the list here. Uh, how about uh, B0099? At one time, somebody asked me to call the doctor. Why was that? Well, I want to play that one more time because you're hearing, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear a woman saying what Eric thinks is fight, fight, life. Yep. And then a child saying fight. And I, I have mm. to say I agree with that. At one time, somebody asked me to call the doctor. Why was that? See, fight, fight, live, and then fight, which would make sense. Why are you calling the doctor? You know, you're kind of fighting for your life. I mean, we could be reading into this. We could be kind of hearing things that we think fit our story, but let us know if that's what you think because these these are sounding pretty clear to us. Uh, We're pretty sure we think we know what's going on. All right, B0099, the next one with the Maria's bed. My name is Harris. What is yours? Again, they just uh, there's something going on. They really don't like Marie because uh, you hear Marie is bad. Uh, this one is uh, is pretty interesting. This is uh, to me. It seems like a direct response to the question. Uh, the B double zero ninety nine with the what do you want to hear? So you were saying? Um, we think it's saying uh, what do you want here? And you were saying, you know, go into another room and talk to you. 
I was oh, hearing uh, you were saying going to another room. So I was hearing, "What do you want to hear?" Like they were almost answering, you know, your question of you want to talk to them, but what do you want to hear? Right. Right. So it's uh, and, and those are just uh, some of the some of the best. Uh, why don't we play the the short loop of that too, Matt? B double zero ninety nine. Okay, not a problem. It, it, they'll all be up there for you to download. SpookySouthCoast.com. That's the easiest place to, to find all this stuff and, and break it all down. Uh, again, because as we said, there's just way more clips than we could have played on here tonight. And kind of the problem is some of them are so short, you know, your ears wouldn't adjust in time to be able to hear them. But once you get the chance to listen to them again and again, you'll you'll be able to, to make out what's being said. Now, we, we discussed earlier Mike Markowitz's equipment, what he uses uh, he was using his condenser mic set up into his board. He was using his new uh, Sony recorder that he had. And he got some pretty interesting stuff uh, as well. We wanted him to join us tonight, but he's out in the field in an investigation. So uh, we hope that he's safe out there and having lots of luck. But uh, he did send along a number of clips, and we're going to play some of the best of them here. Uh, the first one is pretty self-explanatory, and it goes along with one of the similar words we've been hearing from other clips as well. We're looking to talk with Marie. Well, just play that one more time, because when I say we're looking to talk to Marie, you hear what it thinks of Marie. We're looking to talk with Marie. Okay. Is that an okay? Yes, sir. Jack Like I said, I don't think I've ever heard the word whore drop that many times over the radio. Uh, the next one, again, directly relates to this Marie name, and, and it's uh, maybe going along the lines of what we're talking about here and what we think is going on. And it's in a real soft whisper, so you got to kind of listen hard to hear it. What is your name? No. You hear Justice Marie very gently, and you can hear the cheer of the baseball game, too. That's what, that's what we're dealing with, though, when we work with these files. Um uh, well, a lot of what Mike had too, and he gets this a lot in his um, recordings he does with the, his condenser mics, because basically they're they're so wide open to hearing all these different ranges that he picks up conversations between disembodied spirits. Where we're lucky if we catch one or two words or, or something on our tape, whatever frequency he's tuned into, he's able to hear them talking to each other. So we assume that they're communicating with each other somewhere out there in the ether, and, and occasionally he's able to catch them. And I think part of that is I think we could catch that too in the equipment that we use, but because we're in that direct questioning phase maybe, uh, we don't always catch it, or maybe our recorders aren't powerful enough to pick up both voices, only the stronger one of the two. But here's what he got, uh, the Ed Ha file. Would you like us to stop this session and move away from him? Oh, that was a shack hack, so that blows out my whole explanation. But, yeah, you did get, you hear, yes, we would, who is this, Ed, huh? All one right after the other. I, I didn't, some of the ones that he gave us that were the two spirits, connected, they were so soft that we couldn't play them over the radio, but they were up there for people to download. Um, the next one, again, references Marie directly. Uh, the next two, actually. We can probably fire those back-to-back, -back, Matt, if you don't mind. That's pretty clear. Maria's talking. And then the next one. Maria's talking. Uh, 
Was that you, Moniz? Was that you trying to use an accent? Play that again. Yeah. So, Moniz says Maria is talking, and then you hear a male voice quickly say Marie. Uh, I actually said Maria Stucky is Maria here. Okay. Um, Portuguese. I thought you were just repeating what was said over the thing. I'm sorry. Uh, Not up on, uh, I don't really know that much Portuguese. So I just know the food. <laughs> and I know that I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> but uh, especially that casserole you turned me on to. Uh, and then you hear the male EVP say, look at her chicken. Which I don't know if that means, look at her chicken. That means look at her chicken. But again, if it came from Churrascaria Nova Mundo, I would be happy to look at that chicken. All right. Uh, and then you know, just some some other stuff that he got. Uh, the, the laugh is interesting. Uh, Matt Costa, I know you have a problem with with uh, the Shack Hack to some degree. You think a lot of it's too random, and uh, but you are impressed when they do come across multiple frequencies, right? Yeah, that's true. Um... If a uh, a word or phrase goes over more than maybe uh, uh, ten or twenty like mega uh, kilohertz, then uh, that's kind of a rare thing. Which how many clicks be. of the shack um, do you think that would be? I, I believe it goes uh, ten kilohertz um, for each click. For each click, so so yeah. So if it goes over like three or four, we're we're looking in pretty good shape. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I think this one might. So let's let's play this one. The laugh. <laughs> over a couple of them there, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then we did get a number where they directly called the investigators by name, which uh, was the case in the next one. Again, this was from Mike Markowitz, so uh, here's one that calls him out by name. Hey, and he's hearing, help us, Michael, on that. Can you play that one one more time? You can you can kind of make that out a little bit, and then the next one came from an empty room. It was just his recorders, uh, his microphones getting just the silence of the empty room, and and this voice came out. This is kind of a nice thought. So uh, let's let's end it with this one. Again, let's play it one more time. But you can hear kind of a what sounds like an old woman in a very soft voice say, "Kiss Nicholas." Give us a kiss. Yeah. So it's cool. a, yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to add it because all this talk about whores and rapes and and words that I shouldn't say on the radio to to end it with a, a nice thought. It sounds to me like just like an elderly lady who wants to give a kiss to like her grandson or something. What if Nicholas is that little boy that was in the picture? Maybe. Definitely something to, to try checking out in, in the future. I mean, now that we've kind of built a little bit of a backstory, whether or not it's true, we still don't know. But we've kind of built a little bit of a backstory that we can work with. Uh, and certainly, I'm sure, Eric, when you guys go back, you'll take some of this stuff with you as as a possible way to lead into the next questioning. And yep. I know that we are going to try to open it up to people. I know that Dan really wants to get something going where people can go in there and investigate as, as part of the October Halloween festivities that they have planned there. But uh, we always say as important as it is to get people out there and and try this out and see what they can gather, it's it's even more important in my eyes when you can get a group like yours in there and they have the place to themselves and they're able to just get out there and, and control things, be able to control the investigation and, and be able to 
come back with some clean evidence. And I, I thank you very much for giving us the opportunity and Anytime. the great work Thanks that everybody did. Thank you, Luann, for joining us. And I'm glad that you and Eric are, are hitting it off and that Whaling City Ghosts and Dart can do a lot together in the future. And you guys know how to get a hold of Mike and Andy. They're always up for anything. And uh, it's the spooky crew. When we <laughs> when we can get out there, we love doing it. It's just finding the time. This is really a, a pursuit that's really for the independently wealthy. Not just because of the cost of the equipment and travel and all that, but just because they've got the time. Time is probably the biggest factor. Not so much money. You, you don't have, need a lot of money just going out there by yourself like what I did that night. And experience you, stuff. you do need to have the uh, money in the bank to pay the bills. So, but we're just glad that we can do it for you. We can kind of get out there, gather some of this evidence, and bring it to you. And what do you think? Let us know. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Let us know what you thought about any of this stuff. Uh, again, it's all downloadable on the website, SpookySouthCoast.com. Share your thoughts with us. And DartHunters at AOL.com. That's their email address. Whaling City Ghosts website. Is it WhalingCityGhosts.org or com? Yeah. .com. And so you can get in touch with everybody that was there. And, you know, if you want to get a hold of Mike or Andy, you can just email us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll pass it on. And really, we welcome it. Tear it apart. Break it down. Amplify it. Cut out the noise. Whatever it is that you think you can do with it, or just give it a listen. Maybe you're hearing something different than what we're hearing. Let us know. We uh, we fully appreciate what the audience brings to the investigation in that respect, and we also thank you for listening to us. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy talking about it. We enjoy working with groups such as this, and we'll bring you many more investigation shows as we go on. So we're, we got, what, one more week of September, and then we're into the Halloween season. That's true. And I'm, I'm getting pretty excited. I'm already hounding you about what I'm going to do for my <laughs> uh, yard display this year, so... Uh, the ante has been upped each year, so we got to definitely make sure that we uh, we up the ante. Maybe what we should do is we should get a bootleg copy of Paranormal Activity and show it on a big screen in my backyard. No, that'd be illegal. Yeah. But it would definitely arrested. it definitely would bring the buzz uh, going. So, and Moniz, I know you're going to be out of town on Halloween. Yeah. So, uh, but we will definitely hook up with you that night because we'll be here live in the studio doing a program. I, th- I think the plan for that night is to I think we're just going to tell some scary ghost stories. We're going to come in here, and, and Matt Costa and myself will share some ser- scary ghost stories with you, stories that scared us when we were growing up. And we'll kind of go into storytelling mode, and we'll connect with Moniz while he's out as well. And uh, that, that'll be a fun Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like fun. All right. So until next week, when we come back after the Red Sox, and look, I didn't even leave enough time for the closing theme song, but you podcast people don't have to worry about that. Ha, <laughs> ha. So uh, until next time, from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz, for everybody who joined us here and helped us out with this investigation, we want you all to stay spooktacular.